Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Washington offers a block. The blitz comes from the other side to Quell Jackson. And now again to Quell Jackson. You're listening to Believe in Colts with co-hosts Lawrence Owen and Dequell Jackson, bringing you the latest and greatest about the shoe. Brady, middle, intercepted by Dequell Jackson. Playfield, Ryan, intercepted, picked off at the five, touchdown Dequell Jackson. Touchdown Dequell Jackson. That always gets me all hyped every time I hear that, the last part of that, man. That, that hey. must have been one of the greatest feelings <laughs> you've ha- ever had as a defensive I'll- player. Oh yeah, it's, I'm not the one to boast about myself, but every time I hear that clip, I just I go back to those moments. Like, man, I I was pretty good at one point. I could play this game <laughs> at, at, a, at a high clip. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoy, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it all. And, and to score a touchdown defensively, I think I have three, and everyone was special. Everyone, especially that one, because we were actually down, and Andrew had been hurt, and Hasselback was the quarterback, and. We were trying to, we were still in the midst of possibly getting to the postseason and we needed to win that game. And we were down early. And when I got that interception for uh, that pick six, it kind of, you know, pushed us forward and we won the game. And I remember the locker room and it was, it was just a great moment. It was a great moment. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's just, just moments like that, that, that you're able to look back on fondly, you know, and go, yeah. Yeah, I can actually boast about myself a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And, speaking, and speaking of, oh yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. No, I was going to say, speaking of moments, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and this weekend's game, the Bengals. I want to start this one off because this one's been on my chest. I still can't believe it. The Bengals go into Kansas City and beat the number one or not the number one ranked team in the AFC, but uh, a well-stacked Patrick Mahomes team. And they show their dominance in every facet. And there's so much here to talk about because I still can't believe I'm still numb. I still numb that Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't rarely have bad games, but that second half of that, that game, he just, I don't know what happened. It was just bad decision after bad decision. And he seemed not to be able to get in rhythm with, from an offensive standpoint, and their defense struggled because their offense couldn't produce any points and move the ball down the field. So it was just a – I still can't believe it. I'm numb to it. Yeah. Uh, in all honesty, uh, it was kind of shocking considering you looking at his first half uh, statistics. He had like almost 300 yards passing in the first half. Yeah. And then the yeah. second half, literally, if I remember seeing the stat correctly on the television, right before he started that final drive to – send the game into overtime. Mm-hmm. I think he had 30. I think the entire offense only had 34 yards. Yeah. What? You know, what, yeah. That, yeah. That, that's yeah. a Patrick Mahomes led offense. And for an entire right. half, you had 34 yards right. against Cincy. I mean, th- Cincy. their defense is pretty good, but I mean, it's not, you know, the bills, what we saw, you know, the week prior just so, yeah, it was absolutely shocking guys real quick. 
I just want to say that the Super Bowl is coming up in two weeks and there's more money thrown around before the Super Bowl game on bets than you could possibly imagine. And Bet Online is a great site for you to use to throw those bets around and possibly make yourself a little bit of money. Bet Online would uh, would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue the march through the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year, new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for this upcoming season. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Speaking of starting, we was just got done talking about that. What was the difference? I mean, after the game, you know, that overtime was a complete flip from what we saw in the Bills game, you know, right. where everybody was throw, throwing this big old fit. Overtime rules need to be changed. Yeah. And since he's like, no, don't. You just got to freaking play defense, man, if you don't get the ball first. Exactly. Show up when you when it's your turn to show up and things will work out. I think for the Chiefs standpoint, Patrick Mahomes, there was a critical point in that first half, right as the first half expired, was Kansas City was driving. They were up 21 to 3 at this point. And you, you don't come away with any points. It was a not the best decision by Patrick Mahomes by throwing the ball late to Tyreek Hill in the flats, and you didn't have any timeout, so you didn't get a touchdown, nor did you get three points, and that was seemed to come back and bite them in the tail when they needed it the most. But I don't think their offense and Patrick Mahomes ever recovered from that moment. You know, you go back to the the week the prior game against one of the greatest games to ever be played at the quarterback position, him and Josh Allen, I saw an assertive effort from Patrick Mahomes to use his legs, to extend plays, not extend plays running behind the line of scrimmage, but going north. <laughs> you know, when when the defense back was turned, he did a lot of running around and just ended up with nothing. And typically the Patrick Mahomes we're used to seeing, he comes up with something. Someone's going to get open, but they didn't. And the Bengals defensive line, the deep, the, the Bengals, the, the person that deserves the most credit, whom I don't think is getting enough credit. I had to look his name up because I didn't know who he was. The defensive coordinator for the, the Cincinnati Bengals, Lou Anaromi, Anaroma. I think, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but he deserves a lot of credit because he stopped one of the, one of the box office offenses in the national football league and stifled them to only three points in the second half. So he did an amazing job, and so did obviously the Bengals. But uh, I'm still I'm still stunned. I no one I, I didn't give him a chance. I thought the Bengals when they jumped up 21-3 in the first half, I thought it was going to be a blowout. I was like, all right, it's over. And then all of a sudden, the second half rolls around. Kansas City's defense starts to show either tiredness or just lack of focus. I think those guys went in a lot overconfident, thought they were going to win just like it rest of America at home and they got beat by a team that is arguably, you know, just the, they went into this game a seven point underdog. No one gave him a shot. And yet Joe franchise and that offensive line who was what made, made me nervous thinking you can rely on these guys. They played, but if you would have told me the Bengals would have more sacks on Patrick Mahomes than the chiefs in that front uh, front seven would have on Joe Burrow. I would I would have thought you were crazy, but they came to play when they needed the most. And Jamar Chase played well. Joe Cool played well. It was just a really, uh, you know, it was almost. Do you give the credit to the Bengals? Do you think the Chiefs lost it? Which I think they did. But I'd have to give credit to the Bengals of playing just a flawless game when they needed to it, making the plays down the stretch, defensively definitely when they needed to in overtime. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's funny you, you talk about Chase playing well. Jamar Chase was kind of bottled up for the most part of this game. Mm -hmm. You saw him show up occasionally. And if I told you before mm -hmm. the game, you know, that the Chiefs for the most part was going to take Chase out of the game for the most part. And then yeah. 
CJ Uzuma, their tight end, was not going, right. you know, was going to leave with an MCL spring sometime right. in the first half. Right. You'd look at me and go, well, this is a blowout. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Burrow, Burrow just moved to his other guys. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. T. Higgins made massive T. Higgins plays. Had a big day. Yeah. T. Higgins had a big day. Uh, you saw Tyler Boyd making critical third down receptions when he needed mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And they leaned on the run game. Joe Mixon wasn't blowing it up every time he touched the ball, but he was getting enough yards to where they were able to continue using him. And I think that helped a lot because that kept their defense fresh, right? Yes. For that fourth quarter and overtime in order to, because they were able to keep playing at a high clip because they kept their offense on the field. So their defense wasn't so tired in the second half and overtime. Yeah. You get, there's a lot to, it was just complete. Those guys showed up. I, Mm -hmm. I thought, I'll go back to the point I made earlier. This is a this is why Tom Brady is so great. Mm-hmm. Because you have small windows to be able to make it to a conference championship game, to move on and play in the Super Bowl and take advantage of those teams and win the games that you're supposed to win. And I think the team, everyone was overconfident going playing at home, playing against a Bengals team that they thought barely squeaked by, shouldn't shouldn't have been there. And those guys did nothing but make plays when they needed to with a very young roster. And quite frankly, like you alluded to, undermanned. The tight end goes out. So what does Joe Burrow do? Find other open guys when they take away Jamar mm-hmm. Chase. But then you find Jamar Chase when the game really matters to make mm-hmm. great catches when you need them to. So their star showed up. We've said this from day one of the of the season. Your stars have to show up when you need them to. And the Bengals made more plays down the stretch. And the the whole overtime rule discussion needs to be put to bed at this point. Mm-hmm. There was a get there was there was this uh, you know, the fact that the Bengals were able to force a turnover. And, you know, you never know how this game is played. And now we have two teams that I thought the Rams were expected. They had a good shot of going. And the Bengals, no one in their right mind would have thought they would be playing for a Super Bowl. And there was a stat during the game that showed this was the first time in NFL history that the number one overall pick has taken his team to a Super Bowl within his first two seasons. So kudos to Joe Joe Burrow. He he's played phenomenal and he's played with a not so good offensive line. And he's able to carry his team and put his team on the back when last year the team had only won four games, the year before that, two. So uh the city of Ohio is probably going crazy right now, especially in Cincinnati. Oh, definitely. And then let's go ahead and talk about they're going to be in two weeks playing at the house of the other team that won. <laughs> you know, uh, and it's weird. It's so weird that all these years no team has ever hosted a Super Bowl. And then last year Tampa Bay did it. Yeah, and right. This year the Rams are doing it. Right, right, back, back years. That's mm-hmm. that's so odd, and you know, and, and it's such an advantage. <laughs> and what's funny is, I don't know if you know this, but because uh, every year, home team visiting team is swapped, right, uh, right. between AFC NFC. This uh, year, home team is AFC. Oh, so wow. literally, the Rams will be playing in SoFi at their own house as the visiting team. Wow, that's that's, that's another driving and motivating factor for them to 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 go out and win this game. I mean, I'm picking the. I mean, I know we're not getting to that right now, but uh, that is that is enough fuel uh, on that fire to say, you know what, this is my house. I should be the home team. I'm gonna go out here and play my best game ever. But I, I thought Matt Stafford played a made a he played a brilliant game, brilliant oh, game, yeah. and. It sh- it, this is this is the epitome of a great talent being wasted with an organization that just was just couldn't figure it out. They mm-hmm. just could not figure it out. And now, obviously, Sean McVay. I don't think he called his best game, but I think with his creative mind offensively, with with Matthew Stafford's you know attributes and and arm strength and and experience and poise and all these different things and fourth quarter comebacks that he's been accustomed to throughout his entire career. He was only being who he had been his entire career. And now with two number ones, Odell Beckham had a huge day, over 100 yards receiving. Cooper Cup, who everyone knew was his number one target, he had a big day. So everything worked well for the Rams. Granted, it was a close game for the most part. 
But in the end, when they needed the most, Cooper Cup, he comes through in the clutch, and he was the greatest. He was he is he has solidified himself as one of the greatest receivers during this this era right now. And I hope you know he's finished his thing off uh, when he's uh, for the Super Bowl here in a few yeah. weeks. Yeah, that first half it was misleading because if you looked at the stats and you look at Stafford's stats and you're like, well, he's not having that good of a game, right? You know, mm-hmm. He's got an interception. His, his completion percentage ain't that high. And you, you look at it and you go, well, start off the game. OBJ dropped a wide open pass. Yeah. And then Cooper Cup dropped Cooper a Cup. wide open pass that could have been a touchdown. And right. then the guy who had a big game last week, who mm-hmm. I, I ain't even going to try to pronounce his name, <laughs> dropped a wide open oh, back of the end zone pass. I didn't know was who he was. Time shot. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, who is this? Number 18. Like, who is this guy? Yeah. And yeah, that was, I thought it was over. When, when I saw that, I'm like, geez, this right? doesn't happen. Like, you know. At that moment, I thought Matt, Matthew Stafford couldn't catch a break, and yeah. I thought it was going to be trouble. But uh, but but they all stepped up in the second half and started making mm-hmm. those plays that you were accustomed to seeing that offense with Matt Stafford do. You know, when when the Rams traded, I, I'm going to say this until the end of the year, until the end of the Super Bowl, when the Rams traded for Matt Stafford, they were my pick for the NFC in the Super Bowl. That I, I said I thought they were the best team with Matt Stafford on the team. And this is before Von Miller came, right? right this right. is before OBJ came, you know, mm-hmm. during the season when those happened. I thought they were the best team in the NFC. I was like, Matt Stafford is just that good. But mm-hmm. Matt Stafford had, you know, this thing hanging over his head. The whole yeah. can't get no to the playoff playoffs, game. can't right. win in the playoffs, you know, that right. kind of situation. And dude, it only took his first year. Yeah, to, to to be able to, you know, get rid of those notions that he can't win the big one, to do that in his first year, such a such a a, a great story. And I, you know, the one person I feel bad for is Jared Goff right now, because they swapped mm-hmm. those guys swapped and they were abysmal this past season. So it goes to show you, you know, I have a ton of respect for for Sean McVay and that front office to be able to make a tough decision like that because mm-hmm. Jared Goff had taken them to a Super Bowl, and yet within a few years, things have changed, and now you have Matthew Stafford, a guy that can run and operate this offense the way I believe Sean McVay envisioned it to run with mm-hmm. a big arm quarterback that can make the deep throw and, and has the experience and the fourth-quarter comeback experience and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, let me go to the 49ers for a second, and <laughs> which I thought was the biggest mistake during that game when you had to lead the last – 10 to 12 minutes of the game, the guy who carried you to a conference championship never touched the football in Debo Samuels. I thought that was a huge mistake. Huge mistake. I don't know how Shanahan forgot to do this or no one was in his ear say, hey, we have to get our best players the ball. I don't understand how it didn't happen, but he needed to touch the ball, and I thought it hurt him in the end. And Jimmy Garoppolo. You get some good, you get some bad. You really don't know who he is. Is he's a guy that can can uh, that you pay the, to make big plays when you need them? I thought he came up short in the end, and and the game, the play to seal the game, we've seen that play far too many damn times. <laughs> <laughs> and when he did it, I'm like, oh no, oh, my God. you cannot end if this is the end for Jimmy G. With San Francisco, that that is not a play you want front office and the decision makers to remember. You flicking the ball away, third and thirteen. You had another play. Yeah, I mean it you was four a, down territory. Come yeah. on now, you had another play. <laughs> just take the sack. Live right? to see another day, but don't just lose the game and one one dumb mistake. So, and there's so know, many Colts fans out there that were you know so <laughs> high on Jimmy Garoppolo, and they were like. He doesn't make those stupid mistakes and, you know, uh, he's a winner, you know, and, you know, you'll never see him do the kind of things that Carson Wentz does, especially in important yeah. times, you know, <laughs> right. and then bam, you know, right. <laughs> and you're like, that, that is definitely something that Carson Wentz would have done, yeah. you know, once a game, you know, or something mm-hmm. of that nature. Every um, GM took note of that. It's like, uh, Jimmy G, 
-hmm. when they, we needed it the most, this is the play that he left us with. And that that is uh, that could be tough for any GM to get over, to bring a guy into their building. The thing that I was against Jimmy G the whole time, to be fair, was I, I felt that his uh, medium to long range passing accuracy was awful. Awful. Oh, like, yeah. Anything past 15 yards was awful. He made, a, I think, two completions, uh, air yards over 15 in that game, but he missed four. So right. you're 33%, you know? <laughs> you, you don't want to be 33% from 15, 15 yards on. You, you just yeah. don't. You, do, yeah. you, just, you just don't want to do that. Um, but – I'm sure there'll be teams out there that's going to look at Jimmy G because there's a, mm -hmm. I mean, you got like, you know, who's going to be the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next year. If Tom Brady retires, if, right. if he comes off this yo-yo, because you know how the whole, uh, I don't know if you've paid attention to social media, but it was announced. I have Tom Brady's retiring. Wait, no, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not all weekend. <laughs> right. right. All weekend. I guess he's taking his time and he wants to, you know, it has to to confirm it. It has to come directly from him. But oh yeah, definitely. Listen, a guy that close and nothing is intentional. I feel like everything is intentional. And for this news to break where it when it did, it probably has some inner workings to it in terms of guys thinking about signing back with the Bucks because they're not going to bring back twenty two stars. This is not going to happen. Too many key um, um, players on that team were on one year deals for that reason. But yeah, that that so back to your original point about Jimmy G and and possibly the Bucks being a team in interest. I could see that happening for sure. But Jimmy G is a solid start. He's a solid quarterback in this league. Uh, he's just not a Joe Burrow, uh, a Josh Allen. There's there's tiers. He's not at the top uh, uh, tier class as you would hope to have at your quarterback position. But he is a guy that his stats are misleading because he wins. But it's just not pretty the way he wins. It's just not that drop back, Patrick Mahomes, you know, lights you up 15 yards or more. It's that intermediate routes that can work. But in this league, during this time, you need a, a speed guy that can take a top off a of defense. You need a quarterback that can get him, hit him in stride. Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy just can't do that. He's great at leading a receiver uh, during those little short, quick routes or, or a screen play or something like that to get that yak yardage. And right. that's what, you know, the Niners have been, you know, running off of all these years with Jimmy G. You're, you're seeing it all the time. But yeah. generally, uh, whenever you see something past 15 yards, if it's a completion, it's because the receiver made an absolute fantastic catch. Uh, Kittle. Kittle had a fantastic catch that, that completed mm -hmm. one uh just this past week so or yesterday um but we can't we cannot let the defense off the hook that defensive no. line who should have i thought the rams offensive line played exceptionally well keeping bolsa and armstead i didn't hear armstead's name throughout the entire mm -hmm. day they yeah. neutralized them they neutralized these guys and they doubled bosa the entire night yeah they they refused to let bosa and and armstead be a factor in this game and then you flip on to the other side of the ball Aaron Donald was quiet for the most part yesterday he was pretty quiet but obviously he gets a lot of attention and guess what he showed up when they needed it the most and mm -hmm. Von Miller would I mean that's why they went out and got Von Miller and other guys and but just Aaron Donald just cannot be stopped he is a one-man wrecking crew and he can take over any game at any moment yeah, uh, you could tell what the, the the Rams' defensive plan was for this game. Stop the run game. Force Jimmy yeah. G to beat us, you know. Yeah. I think they averaged around three yards a carry as a team, as the entire team of the Niners uh, during that game. And the, if you could do that to the Niners, you have a pretty good shot at beating them. You know, I mean, because that's, that's, that's what they're based off of, right? Right. Is that physical – that physical downhill type running and, and, and yak yardage. So uh, congratulations to the Rams. Congratulations to the Bengals. Both you guys made it to the show and this will be a very interesting uh, Super Bowl coming up. We've already discussed a little bit about it, you know, about how, you know, the Rams will be hosting it, but they're the visiting team, which is odd. Uh, <laughs> Burrow, you know, basically you said earlier, 
you might as well almost consider him a rookie because he missed over half the season last year due to the the, the injury to his knee. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just so impressed the way he's played this postseason because mm-hmm. regular season defense tempo is a lot different than regular season tempo in the postseason and different schematical changes. And he was able to, for whatever Kansas City was doing early in that ball game that didn't have, you know, Joe Burrow and his offense rolling, he figured it out the second half. They made the proper adjustments and they made the plays. They made big, impactful plays that we're typically used to seeing on the other side of the ball from Tariq Hill and and uh, Patrick Mahomes and company. So uh, he he is – I've never seen anything like it. His poise. His poise is is – off the charts and clearly his ability to read defenses and his ability to, to, to lead. He's definitely showing all those at those, that it factor that you necessarily can't really study or know much about before you actually pull the trigger on a guy like that. And he's been everything and, and more than for that organization, the Bengals, the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. I can't even, that sounds so weird rolling off my tongue right now, but, they 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 are there for a reason. They put in the work and they won the games they needed to to get them put themselves in this position. We were this close. Think about this. We were this close to that 1980 Super Bowl uh, rematch when the Niners uh, played Cincinnati. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. close. But no, no, no. Matt Matt Stafford's like, I got this, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and Jimmy's like, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> all right just literally take it get it away from me <laughs> man I can't, right. I can't. oh man <laughs> <laughs> okay so moving on from the championship weekend uh which was absolutely fantastic to sit down and watch on sunday that is just jam-packed from three o'clock all the way through uh absolutely i don't think i moved off my couch <laughs> no no it was it was it was a fan it was it was as good as divisional weekend Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, you, you love the divisional weekend. Now, wild card weekend was awful. awful. <laughs> All right. Too many blowouts, but <laughs> right. divisional weekend through championship. I just hope the Super Bowl is very similar to the last two weeks of the uh, of, of the playoffs. You know, agree. I, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, listen, the, the Bengals are such an uh, I mean, I don't know this to be true, but I, I have this feeling that the Bengals will be a huge underdog to what looks like a stacked all-star superstar team. No one's going to give them a shot. And they're going to use that as that they're going to play that under underdog card. Heck, they went into Kansas City and beat a very well, um, a very good football team. So they are riding on a, a what going into mm-hmm. sci-fi with a lot of confidence. And I think they got a chance. They have a chance. I really do. I think the city of Ohio and Cincinnati or the, the uh, city of Cincinnati is going to show up for their Bengals uh, in, in SoFi Stadium. And I think it's going to be a really close football game. I really believe that. I really believe the nerves are going to kick in uh, for Matt Stafford. Granted, he he hasn't been in these big moments. And right now, if I were to choose who's going to – which quarterback to lean on, Man, Joe Burrow makes it tough because you think with his inexperience, there's no way he's going to be able to to manage all those emotions and manage just everything that comes with being in a Super Bowl. But yet, here's a guy who wasn't good enough to be a starter at Ohio State, goes on to walk on at LSU, wins the Heisman, is the number one overall pick, and now in two years, he's doing something no other number one overall pick has done is get to the Super Bowl. So... The guy is poised. It's clear. He has the track record of it. And I think it's going to be – he's going to will his team to I, – I don't want to make any predictions right now, but it's going to be a close ball game, in my opinion. Well, so I, I like what Matt Stafford's done this postseason as well. He's looked very yeah. poised and, 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 and went out there and made plays when they needed to be made. So uh, this will be a very, very good game between two guys who have never seen a Super Bowl. You know, right. never even had a playoff win. You know, and and, and and that now they're in the Super Bowl. That's that's just so weird. Neither of these guys had a playoff win before this year. And now <laughs> right. they're in the Super Bowl. Right. Wow. 
And you look at some of the teams back in the day from Cincinnati when Carson Palmer was there, Ocho Cinco, TJ Huzmanzada, Marvin Lewis, they had a really good football team and somehow they couldn't win a playoff game. And you thought when, when, when obviously that team was broken up, whether it was time in or what have you, no one saw this coming. No one did. Mm-mm. And uh, but I think that's going to change. What's going to change the math in this game is up front. The game is always going to be won up front, whether you like it or not. And Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, those two guys with the holes that Cincinnati clearly has. On the offensive line, granted they Von played a Miller. really good. Mm-hmm. They Von Miller. They played a really good game yesterday, but it's only I don't, you're talking about some of the best guys to ever pass rush in National Football League. So that one is going to be challenging. Our, one of those guys you named is arguably by a lot of people the best defensive lineman in football history. Now mm-hmm. I'm not there yet. I'm right, I'm, right. I'm I'm a I'm a Reggie White guy personally. Yeah, I'm a Warren but, Sapp. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a yeah. I mean, there's, there's arguments for like Bruce Smith, you know, and <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We want to we don't want to start go down that path. That, no, no. There's just so many great names in history. Right, uh, right. Um, but I want to move on from championship uh, weekend. I want to talk about the Indianapolis Colts now. Uh, get into that a little bit. Now, a lot of head coaches have been hired that uh, there were vacancies. Uh, I think there's still a couple teams that are still, you know, looking around. Obviously, the Indianapolis Colts have an entire defensive staff that they're going to have to hire out because, obviously, you get a new D.C. Um, when I got the word that, you know, he was taking the defensive and the uh, defensive backs coach and the, and the linebackers coach to Chicago with him, I kind of got depressed because I really liked both of them. But at mm-hmm. the same time, my thought, pro- that's his thats his group. Of course, he's going to take it right. with him, right? right. It was going to happen no matter what. This is going to be a whole new group of people on that defensive side of the uh, of the ball. Right. And I'm curious, you know, we're, we're, this is going to be mostly uh, thrown at you where you're going to take center stage and talk about this. But I'm curious with – what the Colts have player wise, you know, with their skill sets and uh, their, their abilities and things, will they be, will Ballard and Reich be looking at someone who will, do you think that they're going to look at someone to take that defensive uh, uh, coordinator spot? Someone that's going to have a very similar scheme uh, the way Matt Eberflus had with a, you know, kind of a zone situation. Um, because I'm hearing they're they're looking at uh, uh, the defensive backs coach for the Cowboys, you know, so that's a very similar situation there. Or do you yeah. think they might go with a different, uh, a completely different setup? Do you think that 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 this team could could be a man press uh, mm-hmm. pressure type, you know, send extra guys kind of type uh, defense with the personnel yeah. they have? Yeah, that that's a that's the million dollar question, right? That's the addressing the elephant in the room is what's going to happen on that side of the ball, because you've invested some good money in the guys. You have some young guys who are proven pro bowl guys and they flourished under Matt Eberflus and his system. And the easy question or easy answer to that question, in my opinion, would be you find someone that has a lot of overlapping similar, that has a similar defense that has a lot of overlapping features within their defense to fit the mold of our defense, to fit the personnel of our defense. And if you, and it's a great question for me because I've dealt with that my entire career mm-hmm. early on in Cleveland, where there wasn't a, a year, I didn't go two years in the same system, but maybe one time. And wow. every other year I had a different coordinator. So, Again, Good Lord, that has to be so difficult as a player to sit there. You're that's like being a coach, a quarterback's coach, and having a different quarterback for four straight years. Oh, wait, it, it is, <laughs> 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 it is, it is a struggle, it is really a struggle. And you can never, and now you know, you have these guys who are currently on the roster who have developed under Eberflus in the last few years. 
they understand the, the system. They, they, they understand the little nuances of the system. Uh, it's really going to come down to obviously who's available. But if you want this defense to pick up where it left off or be better, you need a guy that runs a similar defense. Now, there's a chance they may have a guy to come in and he may run a blended scheme of what somewhat of what Iberflus did and somewhat of his own style just to help the transition. And then mm-hmm. now you have to figure out, are these players good enough? Are these players, um, do these players fit what the defensive scheme to, uh, requires? So, again, this is a this is a team that's a sideline to sideline, fast, you know, zone to man concept. Uh not really aggressive from a pressure standpoint. You're pressure when needed to, but uh, if you bring in a guy that's about man coverage, blitzing behind the line of scrimmage, I think you have some. You that's not ideal for this team. Now, do I think they can do it? Yeah, you know, you draft well, you bring in some free agents. I think it, it could be done. But from a linebacker standpoint, looking at our linebackers, Darius Leonard, his strength, his strengths are zone. His strength is in open field reading the quarterback, getting his hands on balls, playing behind the line of scrimmage at times. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what moves they make because now this defense, it's going to be a – this is a big moment for Frank Wright. And if he gets it right, I feel like he'll be around. But if he doesn't and you compound that with a questionable guy on the center and Carson Wentz, that is a recipe for disaster. So this move – is going to have major implications of how this season turns out and what happens after the season. Yeah, this is, you know, not every team in the NFL is built like the Colts, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. not only the, you know, from the scheme standpoint of four, three, three, four, but mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of four, three teams out there that don't have the type of linebackers and, and, and defensive yeah. linemen that the Colts run, you know, they right. still run in with the heavier guys, uh, right. which, you know, works in, in some, I mean, you got pluses and Dar- minuses to both, right. both things. Right. Uh, Darius Leonard needs to be covered up. Mm-hmm. He's too, he, he's not a three, four traditional three, four, where you have to go down and butt press and and get rid of offensive linemen that outweigh you by 150 pounds. That's not his game. If you bring a coordinator in that w- runs that old school 3-4 where your backers are uncovered, you're going to struggle. Heck, him and I are probably around the same size. He's a much better athlete than I was, and I hated that old school traditional 3-4 because it is brutal. And with with guys with a 4-3, you cover him up. It allows him to uh, to only have a solo gap. You don't have to... Uh, we call it, um, you know, falling, playing two gaps at once. He's a guy, give him one responsibility, give your backers one gap, uh, one responsibility, and let them play to their strength. And that's playing, um, you know, uh, with speed and playing with instinct. So uh, that's, that's going to be a big that, – Chris Ballard has to get this right. They have to get this right because if you don't, you're wasting all this input and all this time and energy and scouting, getting the right guys to fit what Eberflus – um, wanted to run defensively. Now, just because Matt Eberflus is out of the building now does not mean that what he brought to the, the organization is gone. There is going to be remnants, in my opinion, of, of yeah. what he left just because of what, you know, the the impression that he left on the players, especially the leaders, you know, like the no loafing thing, you know, where right. you, know, you go right. out, you practice as hard as you play, Right. And right. I think that's a situation that no matter what defensive coordinator is hired and mm-hmm. what other staff, that is something that these players, even if it's not taught by the coaching staff, would probably right. still, you know, uh, I'm hoping, you know, implement that in the locker room and on the field when they're practicing. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't you yeah. agree? Yeah, that's definitely one of the, you know, this team is really good. Hey, Darius Leonard accounted for almost half of the turnovers. Uh, with mm-hmm. the Colts, so you're going to need someone that really understands how to turn the ball over and and some of those good things. And when you were talking, you um, reminded me of when Greg Minuski left the Colts, and we had a new coordinator come in. And I remember having a discussion with um, Chuck Pagano and about okay, what's what coordinator are we going to bring in? Because heck, I'd had a really good season under Greg Minuski. He 
he kind of ta- he he used me for my he used what I did well and that was blitzing behind you know one on one on running backs and he left me in zone and I wasn't really doing a lot of man to man coverage. Um, so I remember a new coordinator comes in and we're running pretty much the same defense but different terminology and different just thought process behind it. We call things a little bit different, but there was a lot of carryover, a lot of similarities to what we had done the previous few years. So when the coordinator came in, and that's the sign of a good coach. So that makes me believe someone is going to come in to run um, or have a lot of similarities between how they ran this defense the last few years. Because you don't you don't want the you don't want this team to drop off and feel like they're playing like robots because they're trying to do and grade out well. Uh, because this new system, you want guys to play um, effort, not effortlessly, but like uh, without thinking, you know, you want to want to allow them to play fast. And when you understand the system, the scheme, uh, it allows you to play fast as opposed to thinking about every play, uh, what your responsibility is, as opposed to reacting to what you see in front of you. So. Uh, Matt Eberflus left. Obviously, we've, we've discussed this at length multiple times. If you don't know, Matt Eberflus is no longer the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. He's now the head coach for the Chicago Bears. So we have the 20th time we've said this. Um, <laughs> he had an interview, his first press conference, you know, so, after after that. You did watch that? Yes. He, he yes. mentioned that he does not believe head coaches should be making the play calls. Okay. Now, is that indirectly a shot at Frank Wright? Um, I mean, it sounds that way, but I guess he's given, or we could take it as whoever he hires as his offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator is purely their job. And I want to attract as many good, great football minds as possible. He could be playing that game, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's his philosophy. Whether he, yeah. that's the way he feels about, I, I agree. I agree. I think the head coach has a, a bigger responsibility of game management and making sure he's leading so he can fill out his team to know when to make certain calls or when to get in a coordinator's ear. Hey, we need to be more aggressive here. Hey, we need to fall back here, but uh, allow those guys to coach. But uh, you can, you can, I can see how that could be a direct, you know, indirect way of, of, of poking at Frank, right. And, but I, I don't, I, I'm no fluce and I don't, I don't think he would play those games at the first presser with the Chicago bears. But uh, I, as um, I say, I, I, I don't think it would have been an intentional shot at, at, at Frank Reich, I think they have a good, as far as I know, they're mm-hmm. both really good people. And I think they have a really good relationship right. between each other. You know, yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm just saying you, you look at that and that seems like an indirect, you know, shot yeah. at how Frank Reich, you know, coaches. I can, yeah. I can understand that. Cause a lot of head coaches I've been around, they've meddled, whether they were a defensive coach or an offensive coach, they just meddled and just, you know, that's where miscommunication can happen where, if you have a defensive head coach and he's sitting in your defensive room and he's telling you how to play a certain coverage or, or play a certain route or read certain things when you're walking through the facility and now your defensive coordinator is telling you something different, you know, you're getting pulled in two different re- directions and that's how miscommunication happens. And you're not as solid as you would like to be, whether you're offensive unit or the defensive unit. So yeah, that, that has a lot of, uh, a lot of gray, a lot of gray area in that. And again, I, I feel like if you have, if you hired the guy to be your offensive coordinator, let him do that and input when you can, because here's the thing with coordinators, head coaches aren't in every meeting. So if a coordinator is going through his weekly spill of, Hey, we're playing whomever, and you're going through your Rolodex and scouting and doing all these different things. You're going through the week and the head coach decides to sit in your meeting on a Thursday when you've had Wednesday, all day Wednesday, all day Thursday. And he decides to sit in your uh, evening meeting. He's missed a lot and mm-hmm. he's just meddling. So everyone's going to listen to the head coach. I've had that happen. It's happened before. It happens more, more than you think 
But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how Flus does. I, I think he needs to go out and hire a really good offensive mind because he's a defensive coach. And you have Justin Fields. We've seen what Matt Nagy, who is supposedly the a guru of quarterbacks, just completely mismanages that quarterback situation. That's part, partly the reason he's no longer there anymore. All right. I am going to run this other ad real fast. It's about, hey, do you, you've been running bet online and got a little extra money. You need to invest that, right? You need to invest that. Don't just go out and blow it again. Don't don't double up. Don't let it ride uh, because that's how you lose it. You need to invest your money. And what I'm ta- what I am about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing as well. He invests in stocks, cryptos, even art. Now you can invest like the goat with Masterworks. Masterworks is an investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, Warhol, and even great art priced outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 and 2021. In fact, earlier investors already received over 30% IRR 2021 and 2020 from the sale of just two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like a goat. Get priority access with their game day promo. Go to masterworks.art slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. That's masterworks.art dot art slash believe see important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer now one thing i do want to go back to on mm-hmm. the whole frank Wright thing and you're saying you know his uh matt eberflus talking about you know he wants the oc to make the calls he wants his dc to make the calls he's not making mm-hmm. those calls let's go back about two months yeah to the tampa bay buccaneers yes all right and that game. Yes. During that game, there was a stretch mm-hmm. where Carson Wentz threw the ball 26, 26. straight times. Yes. After the game, <laughs> someone, you know, a reporter asked him, did you know that this was going on? And Frank's answer straight, nah, I had no, I knew it was a lot, but I didn't know it was 26 in a row. And that right there. Right, right. Right. That right there is why a head coach, right, by a lot of people believes they should not be making the calls. They're going to be able to manage the game a lot better. Right. That's that's a perfect example of why a head coach. It's a tough. It's a balancing act. It really is. You need to have someone tracking, and they typically do. They really typically do have someone tracking. Okay, hey, you've had eight passes. 10 runs, we're looking a little balanced right now, we're we're good to go, to always remind you where you are. Hey, after 15 straight passes, there's no one on the headsets saying, hey, we we got, but you can't challenge a head coach if you're a coordinator in the moment. This is his team, this is what he wants to do, he's calling the shot, so who's going to override him unless the owner, and that's illegal. We've seen that play out with the, with, the, with the Browns. We've seen that play out before. You can't call down and say, hey, you know, this is what you need to do. Uh, but that's a perfect perfect example of you need to manage the game and understand and watch the game from a different lens to manage it, to know when certain things need to be asserted. Now, you have full autonomy to do so throughout the course of the game. And when you decide to call the plays, you're not watching defense. You're watching the defense, but your mind is – offensively thinking about the next series and how what needs to be done and and heck you don't have time to go back and meet with your players and grow through the ipad to know okay this is what hurt us this is where your reads needs to be etc etc so because you have to watch every phase of the game so it takes away of the in-game in-game uh corrections or 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 what's the word i'm trying to find um in-game adjustments uh throughout the course of a game so you know bill belichick is the mat has been masterful with it 
he lets his offensive coordinators do what they need to do. He has a in his mind what how the game should be run, and I'm sure he implements his uh his opinions when needs need when he needs so needs so, and and um, the offensive coordinators obliged by it. So that that's def, definitely a benefit to just being the head coach, and it's smart by Flus to recognize that. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with like uh, Frank Reich is is great at designing plays, right? I, I love the plays because he he designs them uh, with the strengths of the personnel that he has on on the field at the time, and mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with him, you know, during the off season and and, and stuff working on plays, designing things up, you know, working with his offensive coordinator and the and the and and, and, and helping out in that general area, but mm-hmm. during a game. During a game where it is most right. critical, you got to pay attention right. to the clock, clock management, uh, right. you know, what's you know, the flow of the game, understand, because he's got so much on his mind besides just, mm-hmm. you know, sitting there looking at the sheet going, right. all right, so analytics tells me mm-hmm. that I need to do, because we all know that Frank Reich loves analytics, you know, time mm-hmm. to go for it on fourth down, you know, right. or something of that. Well, that's just one extra thing he's got to think about uh, right. on top of, Every down, he's got to make a play call. You know, right. I mean, right. good lord, you can't, you can, you might be a great, great mind, but you can't. You, it is so much work to take right. care of everything else. Right. Plus, call every one of those plays. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me give you another example. So the head coach, because he calls the plays, he's not in that room coaching on the Wednesday when. The new plan is implemented. I'm sure he's there. This is this is our mindset. This is where we can, you know, gain the advantage. This is what they're going to try to do to hurt us. These are the things we need to be aware of and so forth. But once that's done, he's not in every single meeting because he has to go check and see if the defense, if they're how they're doing uh, the the special team. So your time is not committed to just one space. Mm -hmm. So when you leave, you have another person speaking for you on your behalf. As the coordinator, he's going through the all the the legwork of it of it all. So, can it be done? Yes. Is it challenging? Yes. But for a first time head coach to have his moment, it's extremely difficult. And some guys just prefer it that way. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out swinging the way I know how to go out. And I remember, I, again, I'm going back to some of the the my experiences with this. Uh, when I was obviously after the season or after I was done, I, you know, I still communicate with some uh, coordinators I've had. And uh, there were times where I was like, okay, what the heck was, you know, we had a third and 23. Why the heck are we going man? And, you know, I'm not going to say who it was at this moment, uh, but they were like, yeah, it wasn't me. I didn't, I, I never, I would never make that call. The head coach wanted to make that call. So it's like, oh, I see. I see. So at times head coaches metal, man, they metal. Say, hey, I need this run, and they don't. It happens, but uh, flu. I think Flus, if he can identify to have smart. Listen, my my motto is, if I were ever in that position, I'm gonna hire the best minds possible, and I'm not gonna have ego play a part in it, uh, because I'll be willing to take all the credit when things go well, and you got to be willing to jump on that sword when things don't go well. So, uh, but it's his job to manage everyone, and I think from a managerial standpoint, that's the that's in my mind a theory of a good head coach. Yeah, most definitely. And he's really jumped uh you know from you know when he was with Cleveland with you and then the Cowboys mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then defensive moved up to be defensive coordinator now a head coach. He's really moved through yeah. the ranks of the coaching uh trees this this uh in the last 8 9 years. Uh yeah. so. and, and even at Toledo, even in college he had he was he won defensive uh, he was a defensive coach of the year. So he's he's proven he's been able to uh, really make improve defenses. And it's the reason he's now the new head coach of the Chicago Bears. I'm, I'm, I wish him nothing but success. Absolutely. Same here. I just um, looking. We're all waiting patiently, uh, Mr. Ballard and Coach Reich. We want to know. But make that decision really, really, really well. Don't don't just right. make a fly decision. All right. 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 Make sure that it is the perfect person for this defense, um, which I know you guys will because, you know, 
you guys do your homework. And that's what's so important. Right, right. The um, Ursays demand it. The Ursays yeah. demand that you do your due diligence. And yeah, someone definitely. That, yeah, that's, that's going to be... I'll tell you what, you know, but definitely before, like March is a time where teams start to work themselves back into to, uh, the buildings or what have you. So you want to have a guy in your building for a, a period of time. That way, from a coaching standpoint, when the players aren't there, you can bet him some more and understand just how he wants to coach his scheme and have, you know, your assistant coaches get hired so you can all iron out whatever needs to iron out. So when guys are back in the building, you hit it with a full full head of steam. So that's going to be very important. The earlier they get this done, the better off the communications will be. And I think in the long run, it'll be better suited for uh, the guys that's going to be, you know, playing for the Colts next next season. It's definitely on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, as much as I want them to, to do their due diligence, uh, you make a very good point on, you know, uh, quickness is an issue too, because I mean, if you sit there and you, you lag on doing it, the guy you ended up wanting to be hired could be hired by somebody else, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, mm-hmm. so you always got to keep that in mind as well. You're, you're in a race right. with a whole, with 31 other teams out there, you know? Right. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. all right. I think that's probably going to do it for this Monday edition post championship weekend of uh believing colts you got anything else you want to say in closing no no i think we we hit everything else it's going to be you know i'm looking forward to a super bowl like i always always am every year um maybe we i'll be in seven we got seven players in the pro bowl this coming weekend yeah yeah so that's that's true i i i'll be honest with you i don't watch a lot of the the pro bowl i'll watch a little bit of it because no one really plays everyone's there to collect their check come out out of this healthy uh and uh have a good time and and it's a chance for the players to wine and dine their family who sacrificed so much throughout the course of the Mm. the season so this is a chance where you and the kids and the family can catch up and and have a good time and not play play a play a a meaningful game but uh you know you're also there to have a good time and experience uh vacation if you will with your with your loved ones Okay, so you're not gonna see like uh, uh, one of those hits that we saw yesterday, where the safety comes down over the middle, no. lights you up. No, <laughs> no, no. There's there's no allegiance to uh, <laughs> my side of the conference. You know, it's like, hey, listen, you know, I'm a, I'll, I'll play. With so this was the hardest thing that I had a problem with my first year at the Pro Bowl. You don't know the tempo. Practice mm-hmm. is a joke. You don't put on pads. You're out there playing. You're sipping a, you know, a, a Gatorade all day. You know, you, you're not. It's not much effort at all. It's, it's easier so, off than OTAs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like <laughs> no one really wants to run or sweat or do anything. It's like an hour long. If that it is mainly four, five plays, you can remember it. Mm-hmm. A ten year old could remember it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the tempo was the hardest part of it is knowing okay who goes hard who doesn't go hard and some of the older guys that's been doing it forever been perennial pro bowlers you know they don't tell you because they you have to this part of the process <laughs> you <don't laughs> all over again so you you come out expecting to play and then before you know it you have guys man slow your ass down you know so then you figure out okay what the tempo is but it was fun in the end it was really fun. Well, uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy for the the seven guys that the Colts have that um, yes. made it, especially all those first timers because mm-hmm. you know a lot of you definitely deserve to be there, and I'm I'm glad that you're there. I'll watch. I won't be able to watch it because I will be, be in Indianapolis. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm doing a, a draft of my own for the basketball league, but uh, you know I will definitely watch it afterwards just just to see how my boys did because. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is it is what it is. It's still something nice that uh, uh, all these guys worked their tails off this past year to oh, accomplish. It, so it's the next best thing, other than playing in the Super Bowl. It's the next best thing because now you're around your peers, you're around guys that you follow and admire. And get a lot of autographs and switch jerseys a lot of, and stuff yeah, like that. Get a lot of autographs. Um, a chance to connect with guys on a different level that you normally wouldn't have the time to do when you're playing in, in each other's city. 
So it's a great time to catch up and you really get to see like other guys really follow you. Uh, and they really want the best for you. And it's a, it's a really fun time. The, the, the football community is, is close. And this is one of those events where you really get to see it on display all weekend. All right, so that'll do it for this edition of Believe in Colts, brought to you by Bet Online. And as usual, I'm Lord Sowen. That is Dequell Jackson. And until next time, go Colts. Go Colts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.